welcome back to episode three. This is the Jesus Way podcast slash video podcast. I'm here with Josiah Graves in sunny hey. South Florida. Yeah, super sunny right now. In today's episode, we're talking about Christ and culture. Mm-hmm. So I, I have questions about this because I feel like there's different approaches that I've heard over the years in terms of we know that we're supposed to be salt and light. Mm-hmm. We know that the kingdom of heaven is this idea of God's way penetrating into the earth, penetrating into culture, mm-hmm. and in a sense, the Jesus way manifesting itself in a real world context. Yeah. Um, the questions that I have kind of all orient around the idea of to what extent does that happen through um, government, you know, civics, education, you know, real estate, like all these like very practical things yep. as compared to, no, that's all like mm. the world and it happens, you know, the son of man had no place to lay his head, mm-hmm. you know, and like it happens spiritually, interpersonally, kind of mystically, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and my thought is like, it's probably somewhere in the middle, yeah. but I feel like I'm always like, I'm always interpreting things through like kind of one of those two perspectives. And I'm always like, yeah. I don't, it's, it's like trick. It's a tricky thing for me to, I think, navigate and know like, or to check myself with and be like, you know, is, is it voting? Like is voting is how we are like advancing the kingdom of heaven? Or is it like, no, we reject that. That's like Caesar. Or is it yeah. like, whoa, we're not so fast. Cause that's all you actually live in the real world. And, time and place. So it's kind of that idea of like being a holy remnant, um, being, uh, understanding that like ultimately our destination mm-hmm. and our identity is not of this world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like very clearly like Christians are not just supposed to like escape and be like, we're all, we're all like on a bus to heaven. Like we're, we're out of here, man. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like we're supposed to be, you know, the best neighbors yeah. and citizens mm-hmm. and, and all of that as well. And so mm-hmm. I, I just think that within that tension arises questions, you know, um, that I have. Yeah. I, I guess like I, I probably want to get to that. Like, is it more, how do Christians engage with culture when it just comes to day-to-day living, social media? But then there's like, you said that there maybe there's a government side. Like we're speaking, obviously, uh, you know, as Americans, South Florida, I think it, it's different obviously than globally, like maybe how you interact with your government, but, um, it's like all those components, right? It could be with friend groups. It could be with your office. It could be, just like where you work, how you work, what you do for a living. How do we just engage with culture in general, right? Like that you're kind of like, there's, so there's different aspects to this that yeah. we get into. Yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like there, I feel like the different approaches kind of fall into denominations for whatever sure. reason. Yeah. And I feel like it's for whatever reason, it's like the more, like the more progressive churches that I've been in have been the ones mm. that are focusing on like, we expanded the sidewalk by three inches this year. So that the wheelchair, you know, accessibility is, is, you know, in more areas of the city. And part of me is like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm totally for that. Yes. You know? Yeah. But part of me is also like, that's not the main. Is there other issues that we should tackle first? Right. Yeah. Is, Cause like, it's hard, it's right? The main thing is, yeah. like, you know, I think everything is like, there's, everything has value and weight to it. And it's almost like, in what, what kind of goes first? Like where, what should we emphasize? Maybe you need two legs to stand, but like if you're trying to dance, what leg do you lead with? That that kind of mentality of like where do we where do we start? Yes. Um, well, I think I I almost want to you know clarify like what is culture, right? Because I think we we kind of throw out like how do how should Christians engage with culture? Like what do we mean by that? 
Um, obviously, we're kind of talking about like our environment, like in which we interact with people day to day. Culture meaning, you know, probably, probably primarily a culture that's created by individuals who are not thinking of God in that kind of lifestyle, mm-hmm. in that way of living. Mm-hmm. I like this definition. I was looking this up earlier today. They said culture is just, um, it's an environment created by humans in the areas of language, habits, ideas, beliefs, customs, social organization, inherited artifacts, technical processes, and values. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, because culture, right? Because it'd be our language, like the words we use. Mm-hmm. What is that, bug? Hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. What's up? That's, that's how you know we're in South Florida. There's a giant bug. I know. Join our podcast. It's a little early in the year. Actually, but <laughs> is it? It is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when you think about like our language, right? It's funny how like you can almost tell where someone's from mm-hmm. based off their language. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I took those tests, like where are you from? And mm-hmm. there's like questions like, do you call it a water fountain or a drinking fountain? And I'm, no, how, what do you call it by the way? Uh, I call it a water fountain. I call it a drinking fountain. Interesting. <laughs> and the way I answer is like, you're from California. I'm like, how do they know that? It's so weird. Like they can pinpoint. That is crazy. Like there's different, the point of like culture is interesting, right? Yeah. Like we kind of have like, we, even in basketball, we used, we used to play, oh my gosh, what was it called? We used to play a game called Lightning. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what they called here. They called, um. Knockout? Knockout. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. When I came to Florida, I'm like, let's play Lightning. Everyone's like, what is Lightning? What is, yeah. I'm like, what's Knockout? It's just funny. Culture's weird. Lightning's way more cool. <laughs> I don't know. Knockout makes more sense, probably. Yeah. Um, but it is funny how culture works, right? Yeah. Like, just where you are, it could be the customs, it could be what you emphasize, those values, the ideas, the beliefs, the language, all of that kind yeah. of incorporates culture. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because America's is a bizarre melting pot of culture. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of in that created its own culture. Yeah. But at the same time, not all of America has the same expression of their culture. Right. So right. I think we're, we're probably answering it just to like, kind of take it back mm-hmm. we're trying to answer it like hey we're obviously in south florida um where we might have more of a unique answer than maybe someone in the midwest right however obviously there's certain elements that relate certain ideas that are very uh, across the nation like there's certain belief systems that this is now the new norm which we would say is like the culture it's mm-hmm. it's the thing that governs our, our way of thinking and of life mm-hmm. so i'm supposed to get, like zoom out i guess before we try to yeah try to get in yeah and it raises the question i mean we could go really like abstract and like anthropological and philosophical <laughs> sure. but it does raise the question of like um are some cultures better than others like where do cultures come from uh-huh. you know like that i mean better's weird right like that that word alone <laughs> well i'm gonna say to love your neighbor is better than to eat your neighbor yes yeah yeah yeah. you know what i mean like an idea or belief system sure yeah um so like there's an extent to which yeah, like whatever worldview or ideology mm-hmm. is undergirding a culture and then the way that, that impacts the way that like the culture actually lives life outward from those beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, what, what, I don't know. This is, I mean, this is a whole conversation, but like, yeah. like what, what are those undergirding beliefs within culture? What's interesting in America, speaking of the melting pot idea, is, is I think it's also more than any other time in history. Mm-hmm. It's also a melting pot of ideology. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's like this bizarre, weird new religion that's a syncretism of like Eastern Buddhism and definitely still a Christ hauntedness mm-hmm. in it. Um, Where it claims inclusiveness, but it's very exclusive. Like, I don't even know if it is a melting pot sometimes of ideas. Like, I, I believe you're right. You're absolutely yeah, I think that's right. like 90s, 2000s, but now it's kind of like, this is the way to think. Yeah. If you don't think this way, you're not, this, you know, you're not a part of this conversation. But that new, yeah. that new normal or that new absolute isn't anything um, historic. It's mm-hmm. not like 
Buddhism is the new sure. absolute. The, like, the new absolute is like whatever we want to call it, wokeism or... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we're... Obviously, America's kind of very influenced by postmodern uh, progressive kind of ideology. We even got to define that a bit, mm-hmm. but you know, I think we got to acknowledge where, where America's at and make where South Florida's at, where we're at, which is like, we are in a post-Christian era, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning like, this is not like a country where the gospel hasn't gone to right. like a pre-Christian kind of culture where you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go into it and learn it. And, and I want to you know, live missionally, meaning I want to live among them, listen, figure it out, which we still want to take on the same kind of attitude. We want to live missionally. We want to go among them. We want to, you know, listen well, but it's weird when it's post, post-Christian, meaning they kind of stole a lot of values from Christianity yeah. and then morph them. Yeah. I, I think justice is a Christian ideology. Mm-hmm. I think like doing justice, we should lead the conversation that when it seems like the church is taking a back seat to that. And then we're like kind of outdated mm-hmm. and we're like, no, no, that's not real social justice. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like we, we look like we're, we have like a second, I don't know, we're playing a different game yeah. and it's not as enticing like because it looks like we're trying to catch up to culture that's yeah. leading the conversation on justice yeah. versus, and then we're like, but you're also not doing, ju-, and we get mad by their version of it, um, which I think rightfully so, there's things to pick apart. But my, my point of that is I think with culture, it's weird because like whether or not it's acknowledged, you know, whether it's, you know, in a, in a, a worldview where, um, like atheism is very strong or just maybe maybe agnosticism like I don't know but just not God I'll consider anything but just not God mm-hmm. but they still steal Christian values and redefine them I think that's what makes it really hard and unique yeah right that's so, I, so I guess there's a few um, like historic ways that Christianity has approached culture mm-hmm. there's either like Christ against culture right mm-hmm. Christ of culture like you just like, completely adapt mm-hmm. or Christ above culture mm-hmm. um, who is that author because he kind of made I think Richard Niebuhr, I'm gonna say it wrong. Yeah, but he kind of kind of coined those phrases. So unpack those because I'm actually fuzzy on this. So Christ against against culture, like it's almost just sectarianism to an extreme, maybe. Yeah. So we can't rather than seeing the let's say like for example again justice, mm-hmm. the world's on this this social justice kick for a while, mm-hmm. and even then I think it's just defined differently amongst who you talk to. Mm-hmm. But you look at that and it's like a Christian extreme might be just be like no, we do not care about the three inches on the side. You know, maybe like we just are completely against it. We go to an extreme. We're like, no, we're just going to preach the gospel and not care about brokenness or suffering or, you know, people being oppressed in any way. We just don't, we don't care. Mm-hmm. It's like completely against it. Like, well, no. Christ of culture is kind of completely jumping on the bandwagon, mm-hmm. right, of the social justice movement. Mm-hmm. Meaning like whatever is the new thing that's trending, like on social media, in our life, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. So Christ of culture. Is, it, is that one trying to like, christianize it or just literally whatever like <laughs> it's almost like falling the, i feel like i don't feel like it is okay I, I feel like it's kind of jumping on the bandwagon of like they're like so this is what's hot we're gonna see our our church is gonna have a series this weekend on it right it's almost like we're gonna be okay. jumping on that bandwagon and i'd say christ above and i don't know if i like the word above but it's more and it depends who you talk to i guess but it, there seems to be more like a redemptive mindset mm-hmm. it seems to be like okay like obviously there's there's um you know, I think Satan is a genius to not, you know, when it comes to light and darkness, to make there to be like an element of light, an element of truth, yeah. an element of beauty that people go, oh, that's that's cool and attractive. Yes, but it's true. it's not um, it's not you know completely the heart of God, or it's incomplete. Maybe it's incomplete justice. Yeah. It's not truly social. It's not truly like holistic mm-hmm. in its approach. So I think that Christ above culture is, is saying we're not, we're not just going to completely condemn it. We're going to try to uh, transform it. So there's the mindset of like, how do we help kind of get in and transform and redeem mm-hmm. uh, this culture? So redeeming might be like, yes, this is a great desire you have. I love that you have a desire for justice, you know, but like where maybe is the definition of justice today, um, what is it missing or where is it incomplete or where is it maybe uh, not representing the heart of God? 
Um, so for example, like whether it's in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, he's saying like, hey, don't show partiality to the rich and don't show it to the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we're in a day and age where it's like, just don't show partiality to the rich. You can show it to the poor, for example. You right. can show it to the, the oppressed, but don't show it to the... And the Bible's like, no, no, we have a holistic approach. Don't yeah. show it to either. Yeah. Right? That's like an example yeah. of, yeah, I agree with you. Like we don't want to see poor people oppressed, but we don't want to see wealthy people however you want to define that abused as well yeah. or now but you know if, if justice is blind and the whole idea is like the, you know, there's a blindfold there's like this balance of scale and then it's like no it's actually tipping right. again another way um so i think the idea is like we want to come into transform i don't know if that no that helps. makes a lot of sense i wanted i was going to make a very snarky joke and say <laughs> but isn't it impossible to do anything against the rich you know because to be rich is to be immune to any type of injustice but that would be that would be snarky so I yeah it's all right um so um this is interesting. I this past Christmas I got like eighty percent through a children's book that mm. I wrote. I'm just, that you wrote? Yeah. Okay. Dude, it, let's go. And it's interesting because is this I, like a release like podcast? We releasing the name and no. Oh, okay. This is all. I, I'm, I know for a fact. I'm not even going to touch it until next Christmas season. Dude, let's be, go. Because like you can't get in that mindset out of yeah. season. Like I can't. I, I like literally can't go. So it's there. a kids' Christmas book. Yes. Okay. So, but the reason I brought it up is that I apparently kind of backed into the third thing that you're describing. Okay. Like transform, Christ above or redemptive or yeah. Yes. Because so basically what I realized is that this whole like war on Christmas thing. Can you wait, can you explain that? Cause I, what do you mean war on Christmas thing? Well, so the war on Christmas is like the idea of like put Christ back into Christmas. Okay. And like it's kind of like the culture war around the language around Christmas. Oh, okay. And it's there's like a particular way. So it must be like when the Christians are like, oh, you know, happy holidays. We're like, no, Merry Christmas. Right. And we're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to be clear, like it is ridiculous sure. that Christ is being stripped out of Christmas and it's happy holidays. And like the things that the, that the secular culture are doing are totally ridiculous. Sure. For sure. But I was thinking about the response where when you find yourself in a position where it's like Jesus versus Santa, like that's a bad, that's a bad like fight to be fighting, you know? <laughs> and, it, and and what I was thinking is like, it isn't necessary. Uh-huh. And, and, and I was like, and I was like, it's not necessary because Santa's not a bad dude. Like he's not like Santa is, is a generous person. Um, the character of Santa. Okay. Yeah. Keep, not, keep going. Is not a bad person. Yeah, and yeah. then I was thinking about like all the major, like, secular Christmas characters, I was thinking about Rudolph. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Rudolph's not bad at all. Mm -hmm. If you think about his story. And I was like, and neither is Frosty the Snowman. (laughs) These are all... Oh, I love your... Keep going. These are all like legitimately good. And then this is what I realized is is I'm going to write a children's book Okay. where it isn't Jesus versus Santa versus Rudolph versus Frosty, but it's actually going to be the story. And and I'm not going to spoil the actual plot. But it's going to be this idea of those are the stories that that connect with us because every one of those characters in such deep and beautiful ways reflects Christ. And they actually all point you to the manger. Rudolph, the one who was abused and bullied and wasn't allowed to join in the other reindeer games, is the one who has who charges into the dark night yeah. in order that other people would receive gifts, you know? Yeah. And, and Frosty is, is the friend that, you know, the greatest friend that anyone can have, you know? He, yes. And, and he comes back again, you know, I'll be back again on Christmas Day. And all these stories have these, like, reflections of, course. of what we ultimately want. And so, um, anyway. Dude, by the way, I love that. Because what you're doing is, like, you're trying to show, like, hey, all stories are pointing to a greater story. 
all these longings in our heart. We want to see in a Christmas Carol when you see like the Scrooge kind of character, yes. right? You're like, no, we want to see generosity. We want to see the heart transforms. And exactly. I mean, we're craving the gospel, whether or not people will ever call it that. And I, I appreciate that. I, I get what you're at for, for a second. I was like struggling there. I'm like, what are you getting? Where is it going? <laughs> yeah. But my point was, I realized like it's really stupid to to just like, be like this. Yeah. It, it, it's like. Um, yeah, it's like it's a losing battle because mm. you never actually get to the way more interesting conversation, which is like, why do you love Santa so much? Like, sure. Like, 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 why do we all like want this omnibenevolent? <laughs> you know, like Santa, Santa definitely scratches the god itch for a lot of people in a totally incomplete and imperfect way. Yes. But the desire, and even like the movie Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe. Like mm-hmm. it, it's. It's a shadow. I wonder if people even know what that movie is because it's so old. It's but, so old. But yeah. it's good. I get what you're getting at. But there's also things where, like, you know, it's hard because I see this with my son, right? He's, like, six. And, like, mm-hmm. he's watching anything that you might see on, like, a Disney movie. And you're right. Yes. Like, I appreciate the heart to kind of, like, redeem those things. Yes. I think that's sweet. But it's funny because, you know, I'm looking at him. I'm trying to see it through his eyes. And it's confusing because it must, like, look at the story of Jesus in the manger and shepherds and the angels appear and like that sounds like wow like wow and then you hear like another miracle like he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake it, and it's funny by the way 100%. it's funny by the way because when i when i think of that like it's it's okay does god not see us when we're sleeping he knows when we're awake like there yeah. you hear, but then that's like as a father like i love my son i look at him because i can't take my eyes off of him there's a side of it where like yeah. i like to watch my sounds really creepy i like yeah. to watch my son sleep i like look at him because he's like, yeah. peaceful he's calm he's at rest yeah i'm like oh i love this yeah i'm not watching him being like oh i want him to make a mistake right santa's was portrayed like hey he knows when you're awake like he yes. knows he knows what you're doing if you yeah. mess up you're, you're gonna get coal and not a gift yeah and so it's like it's funny because i think the enemy does that with god by the way yeah like meaning obviously we take something like santa it sounds so much like god mm-hmm. and we're like hey God sees when you're sleeping. He knows yeah. when you're awake. So you better not think one bad thing. Yes. And it's that funny how like the, the heart of a father is lost, which is the heart of the father. Yes, God sees us mm-hmm. because he doesn't, he can't take his eyes off of us. Right. You're, you're right. But so it, it, yeah, it, right, sorry. it's a two edged sword. Yes. I, I remember like an interview with um, Hugh Jackman because Hugh Jackman is one of my heroes. And please, I, please explain. Dude, are you kidding me? Hugh yeah. Jackman is the man. Like he's, he's yeah he's, he's the triple threat of actor <laughs> singer dancer classically trained in all three yeah and um he's you know a, he's a huge jack man he's his physique <laughs> is exquisite i mean come on yeah, um, yeah. you know but but in, in his in, in les mis and all these roles he's awesome i, I love you jackman but <laughs> I, so I, I obviously looking into him i'm like what you know does he believe in sure whatever you know how it is when you have when you're like care about it. Your man crush. Yeah. Yeah, your man crush. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there was this one interview where he, um, basically was asked a very direct question about God and he basically said, like, I, I grew up with that kind of great, you know, the man in the sky with a beard mm-hmm. and basically like by the time that I became an adult, I realized that that definitely can't be true. Mm. And it was really sad because you're like, man, he got like basically like the most shallow, mm-hmm. crappy, version. a caricature of God. Yes, it's sad. yeah, it's so it's like obviously doesn't have any like depth to it to satisfy an adult mm-hmm. understanding of anything. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a childhood fairy tale totally. to him. So uh, like I would, if that's as deep as it went for me or you or anybody, I'm pretty sure like every adult would be I like. Know. I'm pretty sure there's not a dude in the sky with a beard. <laughs> By the way, this is this reminds me of like Ricky Gervais' story. Because I'm I you know, he kind of shares like when he like realized there's no God. Uh-huh. He talked about being like a little boy. Yeah. You know, like you know, Ricky Gervais comedian in the yeah, UK. Yeah. And he's like talking about how his mom said something like, 
you better be good. God's watching. And then his brother, some someone older than him, I think he's like a brother, was like, like looked at like, oh God, God talk, or he said something to the mom, and he said the mom gave him a the, that person like a look, whether it's his brother, whoever, like don't you like do this in front of him? Like, yeah, don't you tell him there's no God. Wow. And he said like at a young age, he's like, I knew there was not a God. Like this was just adults trying to control us. Wow. And my, and my, th- my thoughts like, really, is that it? Like, so like whatever, six, eight, 10, how old you were like, <laughs> there must be no God because your parents manipulated or, yeah. you know, didn't obviously present to you a true reflection or, you know, like you really threw the towel on God at that young. Now, who knows? I'm sure there's other things, but it's almost like he was looking for evidence against God. Yeah. And if you've seen his humor, you you see like he's very anti-God, anti. But my, my thing is like, it's it's sad that from that point on, you kind of like determine, yep, there can't be. God. It sounds yeah. very similar, yeah. which I think the enemy is very smart to make this caricature out of God. Yes. Right. And I do, I do think in a negative way that Santa kind of plays into that whole idea in the sense that it's a like Santa is like a fairy tale that you're told as a young kid that you have to end up at some point being told is not true. (laughs) And it almost sets up your, your mind and heart for the idea of disillusionment. You're, you're not you're so right it's funny because i just didn't think we talk about santa today we talk about culture i just don't know why. this is no before no before you close i don't want you to, i want to know when did you find out he wasn't real like it sounds like was this personal like how did you find out you know do you remember I, what he i did? don't ever remember believing that he was real oh wow like you're I, skeptic from like day one I, but I, but it, it's weird because like I don't remember exactly how it was presented. I definitely under me, yeah. He was on my radar, <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> I want to meet like six year old Brandon right now so bad. You but... see, us on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> he was on my radar, but I never like cared about him. That it was never like personal. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I never had a personal relationship. <laughs> 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 I don't think anyone's in, bro. I don't think. I don't think anyone had a first story. This is so funny. <laughs> so this is this is my point though. So in, in the children's story, please finish. In yeah. the children's story, what I end up having happen is that those characters are basically the the boy. His name's Avery Boyd, and okay. he's every boy. He he represents every boy. Wait, what story is this? Oh, in your thing you wrote. This is my story. Do Avery Boy, every boy. Okay. Avery Boyd falls asleep on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Kind of like all of the classic stories go, and this you know the the snow is falling, and the lights of the Christmas tree are twinkling, and he falls into the slumber. And when he awakes, he awakes in a wood mm-hmm. with huge, beautiful starlit skies, like okay. giant you know trees, and the moonlight shining on the snow. And he sees down in the way is this village way off in the distance, and way off in the distance. And long story short, he kind of he's scared and he's alone. And all of a sudden, this glowing red orb comes through the shadows of the forest as he's going toward the village. Yeah. And it comes closer and closer. Then around the orb appears, finding a silhouette, and then finding a face, and it's Rudolph. Yeah. And he <laughs> talks to Rudolph, and he's like, "Oh, it, oh, sorry." At the very start, there's a sign. There's a signpost up ahead. The secrets of Christmas, you know, up ahead. Mm-hmm. He said, he comes to Rudolph, are you the, you know? And he's like, no, I'm not, but I'm going to take you there. So then he goes with Rudolph, and then they come to Frosty, and then they have this whole scene there, and then they go from Frosty, are you, are you the secret? No, but he learns something from each of the major characters of Christmas. And then they meet Santa, Santa's sleigh has broke down, he and Mrs. Claus are making like a fire there, and like they end up getting <laughs> bread, and the bread becomes this other symbol that ties in at the end. And they basically, the three, then they go in Santa's sleigh, they fix the sled, they travel in his sleigh to the village, okay. and as they're going, they pass a particularly bright star, and you know, shining on that Christmas night, and they end up coming to the manger scene. 
Yeah. And basically Rudolph, Frosty, Santa are all there with the shepherds and the goat and the donkey and the whole thing. And it, the whole scene is reflecting in the eyes of the Christ child. And Avery basically sees that this is actually at the heart of Christmas. And all of these different characters basically like are pointing to and kind of bowing down to like the Christ child. And mm-hmm. like he understands in this dream that they imperfectly, but like were clues or like guide, you know, they were guiding him along the way to what he was like really wanting or whatever. You make them like disappear. So he's like, they were never really real, but this was real. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the, the, the idea of this story, the reason, sure. the reason that I wrote this is for me and Monica, yeah. if we have kids to have a tool that we can use so that our kids don't have to be the weird ones mm-hmm. that are like, no, Sam is bad. Rudolph's bad. <laughs> sure. But also where it's crystal clear. And it's like, like read the story, like be like Avery mm-hmm. and see the good in these characters. Let them lead you to the real meaning of Christmas mm-hmm. and love them for the extent to which they do. And for to the extent to which they don't, like we're talking about the bag of yeah. Jackman and like the, like Santa's the naughty and niceless. God's yeah. not like that, yeah, yeah. but God is like that. And God is like mm-hmm. that. And he, and he does have that trait. And the good that shines through that people latch onto from these Christmas characters, like see that like behind that good is actually God. And, yeah. that, and that's like actually what you want. So I think, man, I actually really appreciate that. I, I want you to actually write that so I can like show it to my son before he's like, dad, I'm like 15. So please hurry up and write that. Um, okay, I got but... 20%. <laughs> okay, perfect. But you know, it's funny because it does, it does bring up the overall question we're bringing up, right? Yes. And I, I think it's weird because um, some, I look at that and I go, I get it. I get that these stories, it, it's... Even the desires that we want to see for a kid, like they're teaching maybe some element, some kind of like truth, like generosity or whatever it might be, or like. Right. But um, it also, also like I'm trying to see through the eyes of a six year old. You go, <laughs> they might kind of go. So remember when Jesus was born and how Frosty was at the manger? With <laughs> you know, it's funny yeah. how my my son always combines stories. You know, yeah. like we read him like you know the kids Bible and it's very like kids and colorful. Yeah. And then we'll read like you know the Disney fairy tales and then he's like, yeah. He's like, hey, which one was? So it's funny how like you're, you're right. I, no, I, no. I might be thinking that this is like a seven year old story. It might be like a twelve year old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like honestly, like the Chronicles of Narnia. When you think about it, it's like why it's I think so deep and so beautiful. It's like wow. It's it's also you know I, I guess you could read it to a five or six year old, but yeah. you you won't get some of the symbolisms or pictures right until right. a certain age. But I right. agree with what you're saying, and I love the heart of what you're saying. You're basically should we take a break? No, you need to Let's take a break. We'll be right back, and we're back. Okay, and we're back. <laughs> no, um. So I think what you're doing is really cool, right? You're trying to say, it's not that I don't want to tell my kids these stories because my, ki- my kids are going to hear these stories. If they're around other kids, they're going to hear all these different stories about Frosty or Santa, whatever. Yeah. But you're trying to find a redemptive element to it, which I do think is a great, a re- great way to approach it. Sometimes we can kind of create a little, and everyone uses the word bubble, I don't like that, mm-hmm. but you, we do create like a little sect or like this, yeah. you know, Christians, especially as you grow up, are maybe unaware of like, what are the... Every culture, every civilization has stories in which they tell, mm-hmm. right? So whether you're in Norway, whether you're in South America, whether you're in China, Asia, like whatever, mm-hmm. they have their stories for their people. Like we should probably know ours, right? As yeah. just like as Americans, we should probably know the stories that the common people are hearing. Right. So I think that's actually really good because then you're trying to find a redemptive element rather than just being like, oh, I've never heard of this Frosty, right? <laughs> you know, like right. it's like, hey, how have you never heard of that? Like you're so weird. So Christians right. kind of get really weird sometimes when they're not aware. Yes. And and when you're weird, you almost become irrelevant. And when you become irrelevant, it's hard to, you know, share the gospel in some right. ways. I think we're trying to answer the question, like, how do we actually have like influence and weight? How, you know, how does culture not just shape us? 
And how do we, how do we shape culture, obviously? Mm-hmm. And I think we're bringing up a lot of questions because the church is weird, right? Yes. Like, I think the church is the weirdest place on earth sometimes. Yeah. I remember we did a summer camp when I was a youth pastor. And this is before, like, I was my first year. I didn't have any say in the matter. We did, like, a summer camp theme. <laughs> and the summer camp was called Faith Factor. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and this is like 2009. Fear, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, didn't like Fear Factor come out like 2000, <laughs> like, like three? Like, why are we doing this? So it's like, one, we're trying to like copy culture in like a yes. cheese ball way. Also, right. we're like 10 years too late. I'm like, I don't think this show's on anymore. Like, yeah. These kids, it was so, it was honestly like, so difficult for me. But yes. I'm like, whatever, you know, but that, the church can kind of take that rap. Yeah, well, that, in your second thing that you said, so you said Christ against Christ of. Christ of and Christ above. Right? Yeah. I'm and just kind of... In, in the middle one, when um, I was asking, like, do you mean Christianized? That's what I meant. Yeah. Like, faith factor as an example of, like, you know... Like, we're not leading the conversation. We're following the conversation. Yes. And that's what saddened me is, like, that's, like, a cheesy, dumbed-down version. <clears throat> I think yeah. as adults, we see it. We're like, what is, again, the next big topic? Uh, what's the next big thing? And we're going to act like we care about that. And maybe you do care about that to an extent, but maybe you're also put on a show or maybe not to that extent, or maybe you're also in your heart of hearts feel a little guilt of like, but this is secondary. Like we should care about that, but this is secondary. So I think it can play out and like, depending on what age you are, maturity level you are, it can play out in different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it's sad when you see the church to me, like chasing um, the creativity of the world. Like me, like, oh, that's so cool and creative. Like I wish, you know, how do we get in there and how do we just like turn a cheesy word or make it ironic Mm-hmm. Rather than, I would love, I love, again, a C.S. Lewis type who that like became part of culture. The Chronicles of Narnia or Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings, yeah. that became a part of the culture. That was like, wow, this is a revolutionary book. And yet it's just filled with gospel truth, right? Yeah. And I think that's what's beautiful is that Christians have always had an influence on, on culture. Yeah. Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel, you know, there's a side of it. It's like, wow, we've shaped art, creativity, oh, yeah. all of that in such beautiful ways. Yeah. Um, However, I, I think we can get into this trap when we're chasing, like, what's the next big thing that culture's into and how do we, rather than like, no, let us lead the conversation. Let the world go, wow, that's really cool that you care about justice and it seems like you're, you're approaching it from a holistic point of view. Um, maybe we're doing this an impartial, you're offering us an, a better alternative to justice than what we're producing. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's what's attractive. Like, I would love to see Christianity, and I, again, I'm not just to go back to that topic so much. But it's like, I would love to see Christianity leading the conversations rather than like chasing after it and being like, hey, we care too. Yeah. Or hey, we, we're, we're, you know, we're about this too. Yeah. Rather than like, no, like we should be leading it in like a, hey, you have a good heart and desire, but it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. It's partial. It's also kind of one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to offer something else, a better alternative to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah. Uh, I would like us to do that in other ways. But I think what you're saying, like, I, by the, I was thinking about this. Um, there's like a company, for example, I think it's called like Alabaster Company. Have you seen like they, they'll? <laughs> yeah. You, you all right? <laughs> yeah, everybody. This is like I don't know. I think an allergy. We're in a tight yes, room. I, I know what you're talking. You're, you're talking about um, the beautiful artwork. Yeah. Bibles that they have. They'll take like a book of the Bible. Yeah. Put some picture. Make it beautiful. Like it's very symmetrical, very clean. Yeah. You know, if I said, "Hey, re- I love the Book of Romans," if I was like, if I were to like give that book to someone. Yeah. Right. Someone who's not a Christian, not a believer. And I said, Hey, would you just read the book of Romans for them? When you say, if I were to tell someone that in a conversation, like, Hey, read the book of Romans, read the book of John. And they're like, where is that in the Bible? The Bible is so big. I open yeah. it up in the words. It's a like clunky. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Our, our eye is attracted to beauty. Yeah. I appreciate something like Alabaster Company, which is kind of going read the book of Romans and like, let me make it look beautiful. Not that we need pictures, not that we need these things by any means, yeah. not that we need to add to the word. They're not adding to the word. But like, just show the beauty of it. It's the Sistine Chapel for today. 
And Bibles actually used to be like that. Like, mm, yes, you're right. There's a huge history of that. Yeah. Even going back like the second century of like the most ornate calligraphy, beautiful. Absolutely. So I, I don't think there's anything. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, that's an example to me. Like here's some Christians going, we want to get people to read the Bible again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let us make it look beautiful and attractive to the eye. Cause the gospel is attractive. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm, it's not me saying if you have like a, a basic Bible that costs nine cents and it's where yeah. there's no power there. I'm not saying any of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, obviously the words is what matters. The word is what transforms, but we need to be aware of like, God has wired us towards, why do we want to go to waterfalls? Why do we want to go? We'll travel, t- you know, and spend tons of money to go see a sunset somewhere else, hit the water where it's bluer. But like, why? We're attracted to beauty yeah. and we'll spend a lot of money to get there. And we'll do a lot to get there. Yeah. So I, as Christians, like it's okay to put time into that. It does frustrate me when like, there's sometimes an imbalance in the church where you feel like, you know, obviously the, I think the extreme sometimes can be like, we cannot have church unless we have a smoke machine. And you're like, oh, I think you can still have church. Yeah. Like sometimes there's like this over, like, and again, I think it's us chasing culture. Yeah. And then there's times where it's like, Hey man, all you need is a stool and a Bible. And I'm like, you know, you got to know me. I'm like, yes. You're absolutely right. I don't want to say that's like, that's me. That's the core of who I am. Yeah. But like, I'm a follower of Jesus for a couple of decades now. Like, and I love that I can use a Bible and stool, but like, there's nothing wrong with beauty. Yeah. Uh, you need to think about like, the church and the way it's set up. Like, why is the, the pulpit quote unquote in the center? Cause like, uh, that's where God's word is central. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna keep Jesus and his word central, everything we're doing. Yeah. Like, why do we kind of have a layout and systematic? Cause God's word is, is not confusing. It, yeah. It's systematic and there's order and there's beauty to yeah. it. Like my point is everything we've kind of done, we've done because that's I think how God has wired us. Yeah. Um, so again, I think we could use that Bible and a stool and that's all you need or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's not, it's not wrong. I think to invest in beauty or creativity or saying, Hey, like, Hey world, like we're not chasing after you. Like not doing a cheesy knockoff Christian version of it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and I yeah. think that's where the church is like, has failed for a couple of decades now is like, we do knockoff versions of worldly things or, um, so I, and there's different ways to approach this. I'm just more talking sometimes in a look kind of a way, yeah. but it's like, how as Christians we go, wow, like the culture and again, that's, as, we're on a very shallow level of this, but let's keep going. The culture of it needs to be something where it's like, wow, this is so beautiful. The way you love and treat each other. Your ideas are beautiful. They're complete. They've been well thought through. Your arguments for why you do, for why you love, for why you serve, for why you help uh, you know, orphans, all these things. It's like so beautiful. And it's tied together in a, in a way where like everyone's on board and there's joy around it. There's not, you're not forced to do it. My thing is like our culture should be attractive. I don't think right now the world looks at the church and goes, the Christian culture is a really attractive culture. Now, don't get me wrong. Didn't Jesus say the world will hate you? Yes. Because mm-hmm. there comes a point in time <clears throat> where truth will be offensive, where truth will be exclusive, where truth will hurt. And there will come a point in time and say, hey, Jesus is the way. Like we did our first podcast on that. That's mm-hmm. offensive by in its nature, yeah. right? You're saying nothing else is the way. So there's a, that element of, we get it. The world will, will always, in some ways, forever hate the church t- to some extent. Sooner or later, when you get down to the heart of it, or some of our beliefs, they'll go, I, "This is not this is not with the normal beliefs of today," and I don't I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But again, there should be no like, But however, your lifestyle, your actions, the way you treat each other, the way you serve, the way you give, the way you do life, the way you do marriages, the yeah. way you help people, the way you build hospitals, the way you serve people, countless amount of countries, and just giving so freely and willingly, there yeah. sh- the church is the truly the most beautiful thing that God has like left us with, and um, I wish the world was more attracted to it. Yeah. So yeah. It's um, it's crazy how, like the word evangelical, mm. evangelicalism. It's like a, it's like a curse word. It's gross. Yeah. It, and it's how the world views it. How, yes. How the world views it and um, the connotations that it has in politics and mm. you know different things and um, 
it's it's tricky because it's like it's not a horrible word in terms of like what it is describing like the original language of that yeah. it's like it's like as opposed to catholic as opposed to orthodox as opposed to jew like it, it, sure. it, it it's accurate to an extent in terms of defining a group of people that hold certain beliefs you mm-hmm. know um but i do think that like the language has become very counterproductive in a lot of ways yeah. where it's like I would probably consider myself an evangelical Christian again, mm-hmm. as opposed to an Orthodox Christian or, or a uh, Messianic Christian or a Catholic Christian. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. But, keep but going. at the same time, I don't want to say that. I know I, what you mean. I want to yeah. say I'm a biblical Christian. <laughs> I'm a follower of Jesus. I know. I know what you mean. A, like I want to be a first century Christian. Yes. I know you, exactly. Like, right. Like I want to, you know, um, and my, one of my best friends, Andrew is, is in orthodoxy now. Mm. He's like, well, this is ancient Christianity. I'm like, I want to be more ancient. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know, you, I know exactly what you mean by that. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, so it's it's tricky because um, with what you were just describing about about culture, it's like, not, not only is the church like not attractive and beautiful in the way that you're describing, but it's like, we, I think, are getting an increasing bad rap and like increasing reputation, whether mm. fair or unfair, whether merited or unmerited. Yeah. I'm sensing a trajectory where it's going from just, um, well, that's your religious belief and you know, yes. it's against the culture's belief to your belief is now unacceptable mm. and offensive and you're actually um, a problem because of yes. what your Bible teaches you to believe. Isn't that crazy how... It seemed like 30 years ago, it was almost like Christian was so associated with morality. It was kind of like, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. Now it's like, I'm not wicked enough <laughs> to be a Christian. Yeah. Because there's a new morality. There's like right. a new Catholic church. There's like a new church in general is what I'm getting at. There's like a new set of beliefs. And, and I, I agree. And, and, if you, and if you say without any qualifiers or caveats mm. or um, nuances, if you just say... I'm an evangelical Christian. Yeah. It's like, oh Oof. my gosh, you just shot yourself in the I probably would never say that phrase. Like if I just met like a non-believer and I was like, like, oh, what are you? What are you? you know, it is it is tricky when you're trying to explain yourself. But I, 10 years yeah. ago, you might have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Or maybe, or maybe you wouldn't. Have, but, but what is it? It's some point. But shouldn't we own some of those things too that the evangelical church has done where you're like, I don't actually love how that has been portrayed. Like, exactly. We have major leaders of universities, <laughs> right, I who know. are coming out with secret, just secret crazy pet sins yeah. that are like destructive and harmful. And you yeah. go, okay, this is a tied to maybe the biggest evangelical group of people as yeah. well. So yeah. we can't kind of like, we got to acknowledge the, the pain that that has caused. And we got to acknowledge that this has not been helpful. And that's why I agree. And again, this is why it's terminology, some of these, some of the stuff that we're using, right? But how we, how do we get back to the place where the church is a healthy, beautiful, Christ-like culture where they go, wow, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Because what I'm trying to get at is there's a kingdom of this world, there's a kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom of the world says, hey, we have a culture. And the kingdom of God is going, hey, we have a culture. And they're going, yeah, we like our culture better. You know, yeah. and like, what does it track about your culture? Now, we're, we're praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's, again, there is that like, no, we want, we want the kingdom of God to come. Like the kingdom of God is here. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. There's all that. It, it's coming. It's already not yet, right? It's yeah. like, so how do we go, man, like, we don't want to just like copy your culture. 
Right. We want to show you there is a better alternative. Yeah. And and I think, man, this is what I like this conversation because this is so we're also we've got to realize we if we don't like it, we're creators of that environment. So get with some people and say, no, let's create a Jesus loving culture where we're not going to shy away from truth. Mm-hmm. We're not going to shy away from love. We you might completely disagree with someone. We might say their beliefs are anti-gospel, they're anti-Bible, they're whatever. They're just, but we're so, how can we so love them, get to know them, say, I like this part of your personality. We kind of throw everything out sometimes. Like evangelical Christians, I think they're, we are known for, it's like, you don't think the way we think, we're going to throw you out as well. There are these extremes where we can't even find the, the Imago Dei in some, we can't find the fact that they're an image bearer of God, they're beautiful, they're fearfully, wonderfully made, even if they don't see that yet, or even if they want to change their gender, or even if they want to do something to them. And we we got to see that they're an image bearer of God, they're beautiful, we should love them, pursue yeah. them, care for them. And it's weird how the church either completely embraces embraces that meaning we affirm and affirm and affirm and we don't challenge, we don't call out. Yeah. Or we say, no, this is not okay. This is sinful living and we're going to like basically put you in a corner and we're going to do our thing. You can do your thing. And we're not seeking to love. We're not seeking to transform. We're not seeking to redeem. It's almost like, it's like, well, I wouldn't even let them into my home. <laughs> You're like, what is, what's up with that? So that, again, that's where I think Christianity kind of is. It's like either we're against culture or of it. We yeah. affirm or we're rebuking. And we're not seeking to redeem and bring. I, I totally, I, I feel like now that I'm thinking more about this, like it cannot just be a battle of ideas. Yeah. It, it just can't be. E- even though Christians have the better ideas that we have the truth. Sure. But it can't just be that. Yeah. Um, it, it literally has to be like, there has to be a revelation of God. Wow. Yes. It, it literally absolutely. has to be just like, can I introduce you? Would you, would you, you know, it has to be, an introduction to well, God, an encounter with God that somebody has. I, t- I could be wrong, but I tend to think that the Holy Spirit will do a ton of the work in terms of all of the, all of the ripple effects in worldview and voting and sure. like all these different secondary tertiary issues. I tend to think that they fall into line I don't know that I'm right though, because there are there is a lot of disagreement amongst people who I know are actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, children of God, and uh, legitimately like believe the gospel, mm-hmm. and, like yeah. legitimate Christians, and don't agree on X, Y, or Z. Yes, but I think like a lot of the big stuff falls into place, and then the fact that it's not like this perfect uniformity. Also raises mm. another interesting question, mm. which is like, how much should we then mm-hmm. focus on all of the particular mm-hmm. like issues? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, um, that's a great question. I think that we got to get to that right because there's a side of it where there's um, there's primary issues and there's secondary issues mm-hmm. and there's third and fourth and it keeps going. Yeah, and I think we as Christians got to stick to the primary mm-hmm. and then allow there be through patience and love and grace work through the secondary issues. Uh, meaning, um, I want a church where you you have people who will vote in every kind of aspect and, and kind of approach things in every kind of aspect. But I also want people who will constantly challenge and love and say, is this truly um, your view or your belief or your vote or your whatever? Is it reflecting the gospel to the best? Now, sometimes you feel like it's a lose-lose, but my point's like, do you feel like this is reflecting the heart of God? And and what do we know is right right and wrong? Like, what do, what do we know we should spend money on, not spending money on? Or what do we know? Like, what do we know? Uh, and maybe there's some other things that are secondary. But I, I actually do want to, like, I think it'd be fun to kind of talk through some of those. Yeah. But I guess what I want to get to this is when it comes to culture, and I almost want to like pull back, you know, Christians, I guess, have used these terms, and I don't want to be 
too like theological here and overwhelming, but I want to break it down. Mm-hmm. We're known for like orthodoxy, mm-hmm. orthopraxy, and like orthopathy. So orthodoxy is the idea of like right beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I doctrine. I want to know what what are the the claims of Christianity. Again, we've kind of Jesus is fully God, fully man. So it's like, okay, we gotta have the right beliefs. That really matters, and that creates our culture. What I'm getting to is like culture and how this plays out. Mm-hmm. So right beliefs and right beliefs, like that sounds really. It's a big. When I say that, you go, man, you're like claiming the tr- truth. Like yes, every culture claims some sort of truth. We're we're claiming that Jesus is the only way. We're, we're every cl- individual believes that they have the right viewpoint or yeah. else they would have a different viewpoint. Exactly. So so people kind of get mad like orthodoxy is just for Christians and it's like some old like, no, you have an orthodox belief system in some way. Like in some way, maybe it's not Christian orthodox, but you have some sort of belief system in, in which you adhere to and which you live by. When right. someone says doctrine doesn't matter, I'm like, is that your doctrine? Right? Like, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Doctrine doesn't matter. Well, that's the doctrine in which you live by. Like right. stop, just stop it. Stop right. with this nonsense. So right. orthodoxy matters, right? That creates culture. And I think that's important. We got to Christians got to work. We got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We got to work out our doctrine. We got to talk through that. Mm-hmm. Then there's like orthopraxy, like right practices. Mm-hmm. So like Christians are saying like, who cares if you have all the right beliefs, but you don't love. So we got to go like, yes, like Jesus' main command, like summarizing the law in one word is love. So yeah. right practices really matter. In the church, I think, going back to our conversation earlier, <clears throat> when we're talking about the evangelical church, we're going, maybe we haven't loved well. We probably haven't. Maybe, or maybe we love and it's not, it's incomplete love. Mm-hmm. We love someone so much that like we'll love and affirm, but we don't challenge their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's not okay either. So like, or it's like, or it's right beliefs and right actions. So orthopraxy. Then something that kind of gets like forgotten or left out is orthopathy, mm-hmm. which is like right feelings, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, um, do I, do I, my enemy, quote unquote, I'm told to love my, do I have right feelings towards them? Do I, am I constantly filled with anxiety, fear, some of these things like, well, shouldn't the gospel, is that wrong? No, it's not like, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a side of it where it's like, God has called us out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not saying in, you're like instant. If you have anxiety, I get it. David, we read the Psalms had a lot of anxiety he wrestled with and work, but he did, like he surrendered it to God. He did work on it. He did, yeah. he did, you know, there's that side of it where sometimes we're like, well, we'll never get out of this. I'll just medicate. Yeah. And maybe there's a time for med- maybe, but my point of this is kind of going, man, the gospel is so beautiful. How God cares about, cares about how we feel. He says, what cast all of your cares upon me because he cares for us. Like, so God cares about how we feel. I guess what I'm getting at is, isn't culture that? So culture is orthodoxy. Like, and the world is doing this right now. You better have our belief system or we're going to end you. We'll end your career. We'll end your life. Yeah. Orthopra- you better have the right practices. Or we're marching. You're, you better come to the streets with us. We're doing this. Yeah. That's the right feeling. You better feel this way. You better, you better feel this way towards that person or people group. Yeah. And they're trying to actually, that's crazy to me. It's like they have their own, there's a new religion, right? I mean, this yeah. is a whole new religion. So yeah. culture, like it's like Christians are so religious. I think we're probably less. Like like you said, like we actually have a yeah. meaningful, rich relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in us. This is so different yeah. than what you're, but we also do have the same orthodoxy, orthopraxy, orthopathy. Yeah. Sorry, I just feel like I had to, I feel like no, I had to explain that, that. That's such a help. And actually, I needed to hear that because I wouldn't, if that was a test, I wouldn't have gotten those answers right. I'm if, sure you would have. Yeah. I mean, maybe multiple choice, but... Um, and I'm not trying to say it's like overwhelming or something more. I'm just saying like, these are things that um, guide Christians for a, lot of, for a lot of years in time, right? It's like... Absolutely. Yeah. This, is, this is something that I want to ask you. This is a really interesting question that's along these same lines. To, I guess to tee the question up, um, right out of college, I worked for a year as not exactly like a Bible salesman, but like <laughs> I, I, it felt like that at times because what my job was, was introducing an after school curriculum to different churches. And I happened to be working within basically explicitly the Episcopal 
church. So I would go to these different. Bro, diocese. I love. I think I remember you tell me this, but like I love these little fun facts about Brandon. It was so. <laughs> you were not a Bible salesman, bro. That you. <laughs> you I, can't felt, I felt like I was because I was. I, I was. I guess it wasn't a Bible salesman, but it was like an after-school program salesman to pastors. And, and by the way, I don't, I don't want to make a huge, big judgment claim here, but you said with the Episcopalian Church, or you know, that's interesting to me, right? Like, because yes. I feel like in some ways, maybe there's that, or going back to that, there's that orthopraxy, like they really have a heart to do good. But then you're like, what about orthodoxy? I know. Right, so anyways, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I, I mean, I have all crazy, crazy stories to tell about that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, but for a different podcast. Yeah. Um, but did, did I ever tell you that story though? I think so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, let's definitely okay. say that for another no, podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay. Mr. Brewer. Oh okay. gosh, you said his name. Okay, keep going. Okay. <laughs> if you're out there, buddy. Um, no, so <laughs> basically, um, oh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. You're saying you're like, you're a Bible salesman going to these schools, right? Go, go, go. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. So I, um, th- during that time, they, they had like all this data that they were <clears throat> using because it was really like getting people to actually read the Bible, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And they would show like these different like Barnard group and these different like studies. And one of the ones that just like completely like shook me was basically 50% of Christian marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, same like, as the world, basically. Exactly the same yeah. as the world. And I was like, dang. But then they were like, but only 1% of Christian marriages <clears throat> where the uh, husband and wife pray together and in wow. course. And it caused me to Like think, pray together on a daily, weekly, monthly? It just didn't give those details? It, 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 I don't remember if okay. it did or not, but to me... Either way, they, had a, they pray together. To me, the takeaway was like, wait a second. Then the first category isn't a Christian marriage. Wow, wow. I see <laughs> you're saying, yeah, you're like, oh, hold on. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's if you if you don't ever like pray with your spouse. How weird is that, right? Like you're that's not a Christian. Two, two followers of Jesus who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, in love with Jesus, and it's like, could you imagine the wife's like, oh, like I've like I don't hear my husband pray, or like, and, that, and the, my, the point of yeah. this is that there are many people mm. who are quote in Israel that are not Israel. Mm. There are, and in my opinion, many, 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 particularly in America, you're saying Christian, yeah. people, sorry, people that are bearing the name. Christian, yes, and probably genuinely believing it in su- in some way or, or capacity. And obviously, I'm not the judge of everyone's heart. Obviously, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is, like, if 50 percent of air quotes Christian marriages, like, mm-hmm. like I check the box Christian and I check yeah. the box I'm still married or I'm not married. Yeah, if 50 percent in divorce, but only one percent of the people who said yes, I, I it was really one percent or ten percent. It was one percent, but I, I do think it was like pray every day or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe there's like, yeah. Um, but my, my point is like, mm-hmm. those, those uh, and it's not about who's the most sure. devout. Sure, Did you pray every day? You know, it's, I know. It's obviously not about yes. that. But my point is like, prayer is also obviously an indication of like, are you walking with God? Like, yes. Are you actually a disciple of yes. Jesus? Are you actually mm-hmm. a, a person living out the Christian life? Or are you somebody whose grandpa was a Christian <laughs> And you heard that name, and mm-hmm. so you say Christian because you know that you're not a Muslim or a Buddhist, mm-hmm. so you must be a Christian. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and my gosh, the realization that I had is like, there's so many people that are calling themselves Christian mm-hmm. and using that word, and it's it's completely muddying the waters, and it's I making know. it so confusing. And it's I know. confounding all the data, and it's making 
it's also making it almost impossible for somebody Gosh. who is not a Christian on the outside looking in to um, understand what Christianity wow. even means. Because if you have, and again, this is my opinion, I could nope. be wrong, but if you have the vast majority of people who are calling themselves to be Christian are not actually Christian, how can you possibly even determine like what salt or light even looks like? Now you still can, to be clear, obviously God, God can work through and above all of this, but my point is that I do think that we're facing a particularly weird challenge in this culture as mm. a post-Christian culture in yes. terms of reflecting Christ in a way that is beautiful and winsome to the world around us when people think that they already know exactly what Christianity is yeah. and they know all the dirty laundry and all the baggage and all the bad things and, the, and all the bad people who have, have done these things in Christ's name that I think that it, it, the deck is very much stacked against actual Christians mm. Um, and wow. it's something that, you know, I, I think it's like, man, let's talk about like, where do we go from here? And I, and I think that just like, it needs to be faced. And, and again, I, I could be wrong. Like maybe it's more, but I just, I, I just really feel like, man, the, like even Christ says like the road is narrow that yeah. leads to life and broad that leads to destruction. Ugh, yeah. And if half of America says that they're Christian, which I think it's actually more than that, I think 80% of America or something, oh, or at least gosh, like 10, 10 years ago. About that sounds really high. A hundred, hundreds, of, I mean, we, we should actually- Sure, like what claims, yeah, yeah. But either way. But uh, millions and millions and millions. I'm surprised if 30% of Americans claim, I don't care about the number, I'm just saying- Let's look it up. No, no, don't worry about it, we'll keep going. But, we, but what you're saying is to me incredibly profound, and I think we've all faced that where we go, so we're talking about you know culture and Christianity, and we're kind of, we gotta answer the question, like what is a Christian, right? right? Because we're saying, how should Christians engage with culture? But we don't even know what Christians are. Right. And I think here's where it gets scary sometimes. And I, I mean, you can find it, but just let me know. Okay. But, in a 2020 survey by the Pew Research Center, 65% of adults in the United States identify themselves as Christians. I, almost, I can't believe that. I just don't believe that. What are these surveys? I never understand this. I know, but either I way, know, either way that's, that's insane to me to think that six or six and a half out of 10 would be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's just crazy to me because I just don't see that. And you don't either, no. probably. But it's bizarre because we, we all got to answer the question, like, what is a Christian? And we have done a good job as Americans and churches and institutions to, to say, this is what Christianity is, you know, and, and it can come out in so many different fashions and forms, but it's like, it's been called easy believism or like mm -hmm. easy Christianity, whatever. But it's almost like, just believe and you'll be good. Right. And here's the thing. The gospel is so beautiful. It is so wonderful. Yeah. It is so what we talked about the last couple, like just call upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. It is the thief on the cross. That is so beautiful, but we can't call him a disciple necessarily. Right. Was he saved? Yeah. But was he a Christian? Like he didn't really have that time. My, yeah. my thing is there's, there's something when, when the church makes it easy and Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, the church is wrong. Like, now, Jesus does say, come to me, all those who are weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. There is, again, there's this tension in the Bible, and it's always bizarre to me, where it's like, come to Jesus, he wants to take your burden. I'll say this, I've experienced that, mm -hmm. where I feel like the weight of religion has been lifted off of me. And I think it's such a beautiful thing, and now I can like run my race with like, you know, endurance. I can run my race with joy, I can run my race in a different way, yeah. you know. But then there's a side where it's like, it's almost like, we must say, come to me, all those who are weary, and you forget that you're in a race. And, it's like, and there's no race. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no, like there's still like this race of faith. Like Paul constantly uses that analogy. Like my point of that is being like, there is, is still that, you know, like you quoted, broad is way and narrow is the, the way that leads to life. So there's still the idea of like, there is a race to run. Mm -hmm. There is there is the path of picking up your cross every day, every day, daily and following Jesus. There's that death to self, the denial of self. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Uh, the world hated me. It's going to hate you. All of these things that we got to like realize, but then we're like, sometimes again, we can portray Christians today of just like, if you believe you're good, I'll see you next Easter, <laughs> you know, or maybe I'll see you at Christmas. So it's bizarre because 
it, it, it does blow me away how there'll be people who go to church on Easter, Christmas, and that's it. And that's like, like I'm a Christian. And I'm going, again, I don't know if you know what a Christian is. I'm not saying also it's about weekly attendance because that you can have weekly attendance and still not be it. That, that's but, the thing is it's, it, it, it's really a profound mystery. I think Paul even says that like when he's describing um, the union between God and man, he's like talking about the marriage relationship mm-hmm. and he's like, He's like saying like this is a profound mystery, and he's like, but I'm not actually talking about Jesus. I still think I'm talking about marriage. I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. Yeah, and it really is something. I actually would love to hear your thoughts about it because it's like, like <laughs> regeneration. Like yes. what happens that actually caught like when when someone repents and is mm. actually regenerated and like change begins to happen. They mm-hmm. have new desires. They have mm-hmm. a new appetite, new longings. They, mm-hmm. they, they want to walk with God. Like they, they want to be done with their old way of doing things yeah. and they want to follow God and they're happy to do mm-hmm. it. Like when the Holy Spirit enters you, he, mm. he actually directs you towards God. The oil makes, of joy for mourning. I, I love that. Like, like you're right, but he, yeah. Yes, he gives you, it's like he replaces all of that junk and all of those thoughts and emotions with n- something new. So it's weird because don't, I mean, it really is strange to me. Like I, I think about, I, I'm not going to mention names, but there's some people that are very close to me that I'm like, I know you know the things. Yes. And, and it's just weird because I'm like, what, like, what's, like, I wish I could see, I wish I had like Superman, you know, x-ray sure. vision to see the heart and understand like what is dislocated that needs to be lo- like set right yeah. in order for like this to mm. begin to work in your heart and mm-hmm. for you to be, be changed mm-hmm. and, and become a new creation like what like what is the block mm-hmm. i don't get it because i know that if i give you a pop quiz you have all the right answers yes yeah and it's weird that's what's scary right because it's not just beliefs right yeah and and you're right because imagine when you said you brought up marriage as the analogy and if you saw your wife twice a year and you're like, just I'm married. I'll be like, but but are you? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, hey, like I see my wife like around Christmas time and around the spring. And I'm like, you're like, hey, that's not that's not good. That's not yeah. healthy. Is she happy? I don't think yeah. she's happy. You know, right. like like we gotta see that. Or even if you saw her weekly, I see my wife once a week. I'm like, all right, I don't think she's a happy uh, wife. Or that's a happy marriage right there. Yeah, like there is this daily ongoing. And there are listen, there are times where my wife and I are very busy and we get home and it's like eight o'clock and it's like, Hey, how was your day? And like, I get five minutes. Like we get that. Yeah. Um, but that the picture of marriage is there for a reason. It's like, you're, you're doing life together. Yeah. You're, you're surrendering your will and your needs to the person. There's just this beautiful harmony of like, there's peace when there's selflessness and sacrifice and there's chaos when there's selfishness. And it's such a good reflection of, of marriage of us and, and Jesus. It is beautiful. So I think we are getting at it. And we've kind of both, I think, quoted throughout this, like in different ways, um, the Sermon on the Mount. We will be right back. And we're back. And we're back. No, um, I think we throughout this our conversation today, we've talked a lot about the, like the Sermon on the Mount without saying the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And there is a side where... The Sermon Mount is basically you'll you'll know you'll know them by their fruit, right? Yeah. Like there's this idea of like you'll know them by their, their lifestyle, their actions. Yeah. And we're talking about being salt and light. All these references are Sermon on the Mount references. Mm-hmm. And you think about Christians, like I love the salt one, you know, right? There's so many beautiful ways that it's expressed, or the, even the yeah. manure kind of a one. Like that. I, have you heard the uh, analogy? Like I think it's Chan that gave that. He's like, you know, Christians are like manure. Like when we're spread out, we bring a lot of life and, and like healing to the land. Like we bring, mm-hmm. but we're together. We just are a pile of, of, of smelly stuff. Um, <laughs> Same like Christians can't be just together. Yeah. And sometimes when you look at like culture and Christianity, and back to the conversations, like we're like manure. Yeah. Like we need to be spread out. 
you know? Yeah. So like there's points in times we, we come together, we gather so that we can scatter. And right. you think about Christianity, obviously it's like this John 17 prayer from Jesus. So like you're, you're in the world, you're not of the world. There's this idea of like, yes, we got to be in it. We can't just be like, huh? Like I've never heard of these phrases or stories or beliefs the world has. I had no idea the world believed this. Yeah. Like we should know what they believe, why they believe it, why they land there. Yeah. We should find the circular reason. We should find the issues of it. We should find the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. We should find a way to communicate that. So yeah. like I think that the, we, and it takes work. Like if, if here's the idea, if, if you and I were sent to some, you know, distant land and we had to learn the language, learn the people, learn the customs, learn what they believe, like learn everything about them. We would spend a lot of time listening and engaging so that we could find a way, here's how I can shit. And I guess what it means is like, we have to be always aware. You kind of can't be like asleep. And I think Christians are asleep. Meaning like, we're like, oh, I know it. But do you, like, do you really know what's going on in the world? Do you really know what is interesting to them? What they don't, what they like, what they don't like? It's like, I don't care. Well, you probably should care because like you're a missionary to that people, like to your, to America. Like we're missionaries to where we live. Yeah. So it's, the funny thing to me is just, we're like, again, if we were some on a mission trip, we're like, we're heightened, we're aware. If you've ever, I've been on a mission trip, I know you have. You're constantly like aware of like what you say, what you do. You don't want to offend because like you don't, yeah. you're, you're, they're customs. You want to like just find a way to like engage well and love well. Yeah. And I think because this is our home base, we're like, I don't care about any of that. I'll fend, I'll do whatever. And it's like, well, maybe we should care. Maybe we should engage well, love well, listen well. Maybe we should know like what would be the best way to get the gospel in. It doesn't mean we shy away from truth by any means. It just means we're finding the best way to get truth in there. Like we want to make, we want to make it where it's like, I want to hear this. I, I, again, I like how you're living. I like how you're doing life. I like how you think. Um, I see it in your lifestyle now. I see it in your beliefs. Like what made you get there? And it's, it's beautiful when you see that. It's so beautiful when you have someone like live in a certain way. And it's like, I love how you live. I want to know what makes you tick. And you're like, it's Jesus. And like, you can almost unpack that. But then sometimes maybe you don't have that luxury. Maybe it's a quick little, they're not going to be able to observe my life, mm-hmm. but I got to get the message in and they got to hear. But yeah. I guess either way, you got to still be aware. You, that's why I think there's like, in Romans 13, you kind of see this like, wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, salvation is nearer than when we first believed. There's almost, again, like this urgency in scriptures to like wake up, like stop sleeping church. So we're talking about Christ and culture. There's a side where it's like the church sometimes is asleep. There's almost like this naivety or I don't care. And it's like, or there's, you adapt it to this unhealthy extreme, you know? So it's such a, to me, this is a conversation that needs to keep going because the little device we have in our pocket, or I don't know where it is, but the little device, the little thing that like, it shapes us, it forms us. This is based on our culture, yeah. the videos we take in, what we see, the news articles we read. This little I thing know. is shaping us so much. And again, like I don't, there's a side to me where that, that is also a neutral device. It is not morally good or morally evil. But what I let through it, you know, I love what Jesus says in Luke 12. Like, you take in good, the eye is the lamp of the body. Mm-hmm. You take in good, the whole body's full of good. You take in bad, the whole body's full of bad. What we see is very important. What we take in, what we read, what we listen to. Mm-hmm. Faith comes by hearing. So what happens if I don't hear the word of God? I'm taking in faith in a different way, but faith towards other things. Mm-hmm. So I love how Jesus uses the eye, the ear, all these things to say, hey, this is shaping and forming you. You know, it's for, so that's culture. It's mm-hmm. shaping and forming you yeah. into thinking a certain way, doing certain things. And my thing is, one, as Christians, we need to be aware of what we're taking in, what we're listening to, what we're reading mm-hmm. that's shaping and formed us. Two, we got to engage well in that. Mm-hmm. We got to offer some beauty. Like, hey, we got to say, hey, well, look at this. We have something to offer. Mm-hmm. We have something, you know, listen to this podcast. <laughs> like, not this one, but listen to this teaching. Listen to this message. Like, listen to this. Like, because this should shape and form you as well. Consider this. Mm-hmm. We have reasons for what we believe. We have, you know, there's something beautiful and attractive about it. That's like why I'm still here. Is like, I've, I've met so many amazing 
beautiful men and women who love Jesus, mm-hmm. who live a life that go, that is so beautiful. I want that. It's desirable. I love what they have in their marriage, relationships, the people around them. Um, and my, my point is like, this should be an attractive alternative to what the world has to offer. Mm-hmm. And it's really not yet. So mm-hmm. when we say Christ and culture, you know, and if our topic is that today, mm-hmm. how is, as Christians we engage with culture? I don't think we'll ever leave this conversation, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I think this is one of those things we're going to go, um, how, we need to be more aware of, like we need to be salt and light mm-hmm. and manure spread out. And we need to be all these things that you go, wow, like um, we're in it, we're not of it, we're not participating, we're not affirming, but we're loving, we're, we're part of it, we know what's going on, we're challenging, we're calling out, we're saying there's a better alternative. Um, yeah. I think there's so many sides to this that we can kind of approach, you know? I, I think that, and I, I think that people, by and large, ah, what do I know? I, 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 I need to give you a big caveat. But I, I just feel, just from like, I'm thinking about my friends, my family. Yeah. Um, it tends to be the case that what your average, you know, American person or even American Christian person does for work isn't like the end-all, be-all, ultimate meaning, amazing thing that they love and were born to do and like scratch all it. It tends to be the case that it's like, work is work. It kind of drains me. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a lot. I'm thankful for it that it makes money. But like what I really want to be doing is fill in the blank. And yep. so there's, I mean, and don't get me wrong, a lot of people are are in their dream, you know, occupations. Yeah. But, but I guess what I'm saying is that... People are people like go to devices. I, I'm I'm going back to the, like your idea of like technology's mm-hmm. impact on culture. People mm-hmm. go to devices um, in mm-hmm. some ways to be filled because mm-hmm. there's some sense of like oh I got unfilled mm-hmm. throughout the day mm-hmm. and I'm like oh I just it's just it's nice yeah you know it's it's it soothing. is nice but doesn't the phone drain you too I feel like. Well, it does. Yeah. And, and this and this is my so my my opinion is that the phone is not neutral. Mm. My my opinion is that well, it depends on the content I think you're taking into right in some ways. But keep going, keep going. This is, here's my analogy. Okay. The phone is like a boat mm-hmm. that technically can take you in any direction that you want to go, 360 degrees sure. on the open seas. But this particular boat, ten, like data shows you, it takes you. To that particular island, you know, a yeah. lot of the time. I can agree with it you. Takes yeah, you there a bunch of the time. You're it's totally like, right. Majority of the time, it's not. I guess it depends who you are and your passions. It's not necessarily taking you to Jesus. For some, it might be. But what I'm you saying know. is, I think that these algorithms, and now we're on a whole other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, that's very true. I really don't think that they're like spirit-driven algorithms. Mm. I think they, they play into like our. Can, could you create some spirit-driven <laughs> algorithms? That'd be sick, bro. That'd be so sick. <laughs> But no, like they, they yeah. prey on our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. They prey on our on our vices, yes. and they they hook us in. They hook our attention into different things, ranging from the obvious one, which is pornography, which mm-hmm. is massive. Mm-hmm. And I think the number one biggest disabling agent for men, Christian men, and I also think women. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think it's the number sure. one biggest tool that the devil has yeah. that he's using to sideline people wow. and help them think I'm not salt and light I'm disgusting mm. I know Christ died for me but like I gotta go by my own act together and I can't stop doing this 
Wow. And, and so I, you guys are talking about the kingdom and salt and light yeah. and, and the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm like, I'm in a mm. hole and I'm on a hamster wheel and I can't get out of it. Man, you're, you're spot. And I think, yeah, I think in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about that too, right? That's true. Right? In what way? When he says like, if your hand causes you to sin... I mean, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that, that it's... That, that is really like what I feel like. And we should unpack that. that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you want to unpack it? No, you. Please. Well, they're, they're, like, so I, I just think that it's it's really, uh, it's a it's an almost impossible ask to mm-hmm. try and say, mm-hmm. now come with us and like be the church, be a beacon on a hill and this and that. When it's like, I'm like, I am addicted to my phone I'm mm-hmm. in habitual sin mm-hmm. and again it doesn't have to just be pornography sure. it can be your social media addiction I mean it's real addiction it, it's right? a real thing but yeah. it's like like we I, I really I really feel that we are haunted by these devices mm-hmm. in, in a way that is very counterproductive to Christ and his kingdom and yes. I understand that there's good things no no I, I agree go and read the Bible. Like, no I, I, I agree I really do agree because I mean you're right we're seeing all the evidence is showing that anxiety is going up to an all-time high, being medicated to deal with that or depression or suicide or, you know, like you said, I think even just the simplicity of being sidelined, like you said, of just, mm-hmm. I feel like I can't even get involved in this battle because like I'm an injured warrior. Yeah. I'm not a warrior. I'm not on the field. I'm not battling. I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting the good fight of faith. I'm on the sideline injured constantly. And I, I think you're right that, that it does play a huge part um, in shaping our thoughts, our beliefs, our actions, um, and man, it's funny. That's why when we talk about culture in this way, it's so interesting. There are some things Christians, we should be known for what we're against, but we should primarily be known for what we're for. Mm-hmm. But I, let's just start here. It's not, I, I fully do believe Christians are sadly, we're too often we're known for what we're against. I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we're known for being against certain things. Yeah. However, so I do think it's more important for us to be known like for what we are for. Yeah. Like we are for Jesus, redemption, the kingdom of God, heaven, the lost souls coming to know their maker. Like we are for some beautiful things. Yeah. But again, I, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? Um, the beauty of also the gospel is saying, um, we know that there are certain things that will lead you to bondage. We know that there are certain vices that will cripple you, yeah. that will haunt you. And so we have to be against these things because they're, they're stealing life joy like that's the enemy's job right to kill to steal to destroy yes. so we have to realize like sometimes i think fasting and again sermon mount kind of thing like fasting is mentioned because there's such a beauty of um when you say no your flesh says pick me up and look at me mm-hmm. well, you know the phone whatever or you know your flesh says eat this and just kind of take away the pain by just filling your stomach and your, your flesh is saying that and then you're saying hey no no flesh you don't control me i control you i'm gonna tell you no and I'm, I'm going to feed my yeah. spirit. And there's there's a side where like I, what I love about like we should be known for like, hey, I, why I think I think even like the tech, some like bubble kind of industries like San Francisco and uh, some like Silicon Valley, like some of these industries are they're seeing like we got to start saying no to things. Mm-hmm. And like even their companies are trying to now get on board with like taking different breaks for different things or step away from your phone, go for a walk because they're acknowledging the, the pain and harm. And Christians are kind of saying, hey, we've been seeing that for like ever in all yeah. these different ways. Yeah. Like we do know that sometimes like not just sometimes, but saying no on a consistent basis. That's why you think about like the church maybe the evangelical church hasn't done a good job of this but the season of lent and i i'll admit i've not done the, the best job of this until probably recently more of just going okay lord is there something i can give up yeah. or is there something and that should not just be like a 40-day thing before Easter or whatever that that should be like also uh probably part of our lifestyle in some way but like what can i give up what is taking yeah. away my from from you so when you're, we're talking about cold it's just so bizarre because there are some things i think we do need to realize you got to let go of this like christians like let go 
Like you don't have to engage in culture in this way. Um, it's not maybe about redemption. It's about just saying, I got to say no to this because it's going to still kill and destroy. I got to say no. And yeah. it's not meant for, this part thing isn't maybe meant for redemption in that sense where it's like, I just got to say no to this. Like yeah. this is this is an enemy and it's, it's here to hurt me and harm me. Yeah. But at the same time, then, then there's like, okay, but I got to engage. And I got to seek to transform. And I can't just be Christ against culture. It has to be like, how do I engage and trans- seek to transform with Jesus? How yeah. do I seek to bring the kingdom of God on, on earth as it is in heaven? And so there has to be like this, it's like the ebb and flow of like the ocean of like, if the, the ocean goes out, it comes in. And there has to be like, okay, I'm coming in. Like I'm going, I'm coming in, I'm coming away. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. I'm going to do some spiritual practices of saying no. Right. And then there's like disciplines of saying yes. I got yeah. to do this. Yeah. So I, I've actually really, I think you made a great point. I, I just think that there's like wisdom in, in basically like facing the fact that it that it might be a problem and being willing to test whether it is or not by like you said just taking a measly seven day break mm-hmm. and see how does it affect you and see how much do you miss it and how much do you like it yeah yeah you know, you know <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah but that that's really what's so that's so so telling because it's easy to say like oh I can fast. Like, even for food. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm basically good. And then by, like, the 11th hour, you're like, oh, my gosh. But that's like, what all addicts say. I could stop doing this. Exactly. <laughs> right? I, I, mean, I genuinely think that, yeah. like, basically everybody is in a low level of addiction. There's no doubt, right? Dude, dude, and this is the thing. We got to say this conversation because we're going to bring, we got to bring Dylan on this podcast and just do something on recovery addiction, by the way. Because totally should. Yes. And the other thing is this, like, so it's like we're in the denial phase mm-hmm. on the whole. Like, we're all in the denial phase about it. And no, I'm not, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, like, um, yes, you got to circle back around. Like I said, breathe, breathe in, breathe out, circle back around, and like ultimately engage culture. Don't just run away from the scary, scary, bad things of mm-hmm. the devil of the world, like, mm-hmm. for sure. But should a person, you know, recovering from like a sex addiction mm. be evangelizing at a strip club? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, of course not. No. But you're right. We kind of do this in different capacities and that's what i'm saying yeah. is like there, there's got to be a level of like uh, uh of like i mean there i i think that like if if, the, if there's a tendency for the pendulum to swing one way or the other i think that right now we're in a, mm. in a moment culturally where we're where we have swung very very far to like none of it's really that big of a deal mm. like we're basically fine like mm-hmm. it it's you know it's not, it's not that big of a deal it's not that big of a deal what's that that dog it's like everything's fine the house is on fire like what's yeah, that like, that's where i feel like we're at. Yeah, yeah and not just with technology but sure. just with like the extent to which we're kind of in sodom and gomorrah and we're mm, like i wow. don't know like is it, is that, it really bad? that bad yeah like that's where i that's what i feel like we're at. and i feel like in order to be in order to be actually like like beautiful and attractive and to like be the aroma of Christ in culture, like holiness is required. Like, mm, like yeah. actually being set apart, actually being, um, actually walking in the spirit and, and not gratifying the desires of the flesh mm. and all of those things, like the, 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 the new Testament life in Christ must actually be lived in order for anything in order for any fruit of the kingdom to be born. It's not just like, again, it's not just a competition of ideas. It's not, we have these Christian ideas and then there's these other cultural ideas and we kind of compare our ideas and the best ideas win. And if our ideas win, then we win culture. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't even think it's like, who yeah. has the best artwork? We have the better sure. artwork. It's like, I know what you mean. It's like our, our, like out of all the people calling themselves Christian, how many really are? 
and for those who are, but like I myself struggle and, and, and wrestle, um, through these questions and, and in order to actually, um, constantly check myself, like, how am I living my life? Is this like, am I living my life? Like Jesus is watching me every day and like Jesus is with me every day. And like, how am I spending my time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Like, I, I just want to call out any listener who's like, for the sake of conviction and not to be so heavy, but like, mm-hmm. how, like, if you can add up the hours of your mm-hmm. life, the few hours of your life that you've been given, like, I personally think the bar is on the floor. Yeah. And, and I think wow. that the calling is, is so high. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, if, if we're going to, if we're going to be attractive to culture, if yeah. we're going to be a city on a hill, like it has to start with our individual lives yes. and like the extent to which we're taking in the things of heaven and rejecting the nonsense of the earth that is given to us. Absolutely. And I, I agree. I think it's, it's at, at both end of like, it's individually taking on that call, but in community, like, dude, I need you yeah. I need, and I need other people. And, but what you're saying is so spot on because I think we're, what we're, and why are we even doing this is saying, Hey church, like, we don't have it all together and we need constantly need Jesus and I need grace and I need mercy and I need to come to the cross. And like, there's not like this ever sense of like, just size made it now. Listen to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the guru on this by any, right. not by any means, but it's kind of like follow me as I follow Christ. We're trying to, you know, yeah. so I think what we're trying to say is like, Hey, wake up. We got to wake up. Um, the, yeah. the, the church is sleepy. The church is either inactive or active about bizarre things, <laughs> active about secondary things. Yeah. Um, are we truly about Jesus and his work and the kingdom and what he's already done and what he's doing and, are we joining the, the Holy Spirit on this mission? Uh, are we joining God? Are we, are we seeking that power from on high that is available to us? Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. So like when it comes to this culture thing, there's a side of it where like, <clears throat> I think we all have personal things to confess, to repent of. And it, it's that ongoing daily thing in it. And I think that's, like, don't get discouraged in that. I would say don't get discouraged in the, um, oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm daily repenting, daily checking myself. Yeah, like examine yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, is that not Psalm 139? Lord, uh, ser- search me. And then he says, he says, oh, you, no, he starts off, and I love that. And you talked this weekend, which is so cool. But he says, you have searched me. And then he ends with, search me. Hmm. I love that. It's like, Lord, you've done this. Keep doing this. Do again. Yeah. yeah, you know, and there's that. That's what's so cool to me is like, okay, I, it's okay if every day you're like, Lord, search me. You've searched me, but keep searching me. Um, there's still areas in my life. And But does that mean I have to stay sidelined? You know, say like, no, get in the fight. The enemy wants you to feel like you're sidelined. He yeah. wants you to feel like you can't get in the battle. He wants you to feel like, yes, you're you're wounded. Don't get in. Yeah. Of course, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think there's this, this like, again, this reality of like, I need to disengage and I need to engage. And I think those are both beautiful things. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I fully agree. I, it What you said, it, it's it's kind of scary. We don't want to admit that like we are the new Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't want to admit that you know, where the people in Jeremiah's day where we're offering up our babies on idols and burning them alive because we're literally committing infanticide right now. We're literally um, doing mass murder as a country. And it's what's happening in California and some of these laws that are being questioned, I guess, right now, like, is this really what it's saying? Is it not saying this? But what's happening is absolutely disgusting. Um, It's pure evil. Um, I think, you know, there's some things as Christians, we go, go, oh, you're, you, you know, you Christians only care about abortion. You only care, like, no, we, but absolutely. Like we care about a lot of other stuff. Um, but yes, absolutely. There is mass genocide going on right now. And we have to engage. Like this is a cultural thing that like the church, I think in some ways is we're almost kind of getting like, I, I've seen this in the church, like, okay, we can't just be known for caring about abortion, not other things. You're absolutely right. We need to come about other injustice, but there's genocide happening on a daily basis in our country and we don't care. So no, like we have to wake up and we have to say, this is not okay. And we don't want money to be funding any sort of Planned Parenthood or any sort of you know, anything that will back this up in any way. We have to deeply care. Yeah. Now, we have to say because we care about life and we have to show that we care about all life, absolutely. And I agree, it's not just the people before birth and it's after birth, it's living in every way. But like, I think that's ch- an excuse. I think the church is throwing out ideas of like, 
you know, um, well, you can care about this, but not this right now. Like you can't care about this right now. This is not the topic to care about anymore. It's like, no, I'm sorry. Like I'll never not care about this. Um, you know, so I don't know. My thing is Christians, we have to engage. And there, there comes a point in time where, you know, redemption might mean like we have to like put on the armor of God and get in this battle because, uh, I, I look at sometimes that and even my mentality, my mentality is to seek to redeem, listen, transform, like meaning, so I want to be gracious. I want to be patient. I want to be, I want to be slow to speak at times when I'm talking to non-believers. Mm-hmm. There comes a point in time where we're going, man, look what our country is doing to the unborn mm-hmm. on a daily basis. This is absolutely wicked and evil and not okay. And the church has to engage. And we might look crazy to the outsider. Yeah. There might be narratives thrown out around us that we only care about the unborn and not those who are born. Nope. It's not true. That's a great narrative throughout there to make us not to stop fighting for something we need to keep fighting for. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that I think the enemy is brilliant to throw these narratives out there that we don't care about all of life, just some pre-life or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not pre-life though. Mm-hmm. But I think the enemy is brilliant to throw these narratives out there yeah. to make us seem like we're partial in our justice, which is just not the case. But again, there's mass genocide happening in front of our eyes and we're just like, well, I, I want to fight for this little thing that maybe happened six years ago. It's just terrible. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's terrible. It is. And, and like so many of these like cultural issues, it, it really is a knowledge problem. Mm. Like it, it, it's, it's for lack of knowledge that, mm. that these issues even continue. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, and that, that's the most dramatic example, but I, I really think that so many of these things, and that's why I said, like, I think that things tend to work themselves out. Um, with time, if someone is really walking in step with the Spirit and really seeking God, because I do think that the Holy Spirit illumines the mind um, to arrive at truth, basically. Yeah. And I think that's why, going back to the beginning of the conversation where you were talking about um, science, medicine, art, technology, like Christians have literally built the best things in the world. Absolutely. Um in every in every capacity since since the time of Christ. Literally. I really I do believe that we've had such a phenomenal impact despite the Crusades or despite what the world might throw at us. Like you are just a terrible group of people that have only colonized and hurt people. It's like I, I don't know. Yeah. I, we've we've built more hospitals. We've I, I'm not going to deny the painful people that have kind of claimed the name of Christ, but not been true followers of Christ. But we, I right. mean, yes, I agree with what you're but, saying. But, like, but it's, and yeah. not, and not even like Christian, like all the way down to the the gospel, but e- even just the belief in God, even just deism sure. and the expectation that there would be order mm-hmm. um, in the universe. what yeah. allowed like Isaac Newton to invent calculus mm-hmm. is what it allowed. I mean, all, like, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We, we could, that could be a whole podcast on just absolutely what, how did, how has the world been changed by people's belief in God and therefore their expectation that things should be a certain way. And all of a sudden absolutely. They, they discover a cure to, you know this and that it's it's unbelievable yes it's literally story to story i mean i think christians are majority winners of the nobel peace prizes whether that's ever discussed it's like i think over 50 percent have been won by christians wow yeah. active followers in, in different fields whether science or engineering or health or like whatever yeah i mean that, that is worthy of its own i think the point of that bringing that up is to say yeah. look at how christians have engaged we've done it well for a long time exactly do we have like another minute can i like yeah i just want to see yeah, i want to make sure that on. we'll be right back Hold on. Where am I at? 24 minutes. I knew you were like... five? Yeah, I can. Totally. Can we? Yep. So what was the last thing that you said? Okay. And we're back. I'm just like doing that. Can I just do that? Is that okay? And we're back. Okay. Um, I, you know, I guess my recommendations, because there's so much good stuff out there on this conversation. 
And I want to hear if you have any thoughts. Like, I don't think reading something will like change you. I think it's more, but something to help our thinking and our approach to this. Uh, there's a book by John Tyson called Creative Minority that was small, super beautiful and helpful. He basically, he looks at different you know minorities and spe- specifically Christians in different parts of the world, different time periods where they go, we are the minority. Hmm. Like Christians have not ruled the world. Like, like I think sometimes narratives are like, man, the world is in such a terrible place because Christians have been in power for too long. <laughs> you know, like right. I don't know if that's really the true, you know, right. narrative out there. But he's looked at kind of different Christians in these different parts of the globe where it's like we were truly the minority, mm-hmm. like a cockroach trying to be stomped out in some sort of country. Yeah. And like, but the beautiful thing is like a group of Christians got together. They had a shared values, shared vision, shared way of life, shared beliefs, shared everything. And it became incredibly attractive mm-hmm. and helpful and served the community and helped people. And, and people go, this is really like, what is about this? Like, we also don't like you. And yet you're not retaliating you're responding in love i also think that's what martin luther king jr like was so brilliant like i mean the christians treat him terribly at times like Mm -hmm. you know pastors treat him terribly the world treat him terribly his own people like everyone treated him terribly but there's like we're not going to retaliate we're going to respond like christ would we're going to say father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and i think there's these different movements where you see that and it it goes oh my gosh why are you responding like that it's like christ in me Mm -hmm. i i couldn't respond like that i want to retaliate my flesh would want to react but christ in me has caused me to respond differently Anyway, so creative minority was a great way to like, how can our culture be, I think, subversive, subversive and attractive kind of to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he wrote another one just called Beautiful Resistance, which I actually feels like goes right in line with what we're describing. So this is not just some plug for these. I'm just yeah. saying like some, some helpful reading. If you are a follower of the link, we get 15% off. <laughs> yeah, I wish. That'd be so cool. Go get free books. That'd be cool like, for the one person who listens. Yeah. No, but the, the funny thing to me is like, but those have been helpful for it's like, if you're struggling with certain topics... Like, how do I approach this? I think Beautiful Resistance did basically this over that. Kind of like every chapter was looking at something versus another thing. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I actually, so that was really helpful for me. And Creative Minority was also like, I want to get together with a group of people. Mm-hmm. We're going to have shared vision, shared beliefs, shared life. And we want this to be, you know, a beautiful thing, an attractive thing. The world goes, this is so cool. Yeah. Why is your marriage thriving when everyone else is suffering? Mm-hmm. Why is your family, why, you know, and it's like Jesus, the gospel, but you know, it's like this, his way of living is better. It's a better alternative way of living. But I guess for you, like, is there, and you could say scripture, sorry, one last thing. Mm-hmm. The book of Daniel to me is exactly what we're talking about. And I wish we got into that some more tonight. Mm-hmm. Was the, the book, the book of Daniel, like to me is answering Christians and culture and how to respond. I mean, is that not the book of Daniel? Yeah. How they responded in a different culture. That was not their culture. Yeah. Unbelievable. Sorry. And I want to hear your thoughts. Like if there's another, I don't know, closing thought, comment, or what what we could read, or I don't know, what are your thoughts in general, maybe? Hmm. Um, I think I think that I've enjoyed this conversation because I think it has caused me, I'm, I'm very much of a verbal processor. I think it's caused me to realize like that it ultimately has to be, um, uh, like what I'm thinking about right now is that like transformation has to begin spiritually. Like it has to begin with the Holy spirit. Mm. It has to be a work of God mm-hmm. and, and people's hearts changing them and then motivating mm. people to suddenly care about anybody yes. other than themselves. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm suddenly well, on mission and now I actually like want to impact the world because mm-hmm. I actually have received something that I want to give mm-hmm. and I find brothers and sisters people who have had the same thing happen to them and want to link arms with them and actually charge into the blackness with light um but that all requires god Mm. and it requires his spirit 
pricking the heart in the way mm-hmm. that only he can. And I think that's really like mm-hmm. my takeaway through this is like, the, it's like, I think we started like way out of the big question. Sure. But for me, I feel like I've been funneling down to the bottom of it and, and it's really obvious, but I, that's, that's what I'm thinking about right now. Yeah. It's just like prayer precedes revival and, and only God can through people change anything. Mm. Otherwise it's like a big debate about ideas and policies and, all these, you know what I'm saying? All these mm-hmm. things. And it's like, we're just another tribe in this culture war, mm-hmm. which is nonsense. Mm-hmm. So, um, I can't remember what, exactly what your question was, but that's yeah, what my it, thoughts that's are. Great. Right now. I love the end it. Of this is just like, we, we individually and in the church and then through the church to the culture just need God to breathe yeah. on us all and like shake the dust mm. and, and like make something good happen out of the, you know, turn beauty from the ashes. Yes, you're absolutely right. It starts with us in individuals and he does that. It has to be this personal rebirth, this personal, he does give us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the, you know, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, like just going, Hey, I, I want to offer you something better. And I think when you go, Hey, like, why aren't you fully engaging the way we do? And you're just like, I've, I've tasted and seen, <laughs> you know, the, mm-hmm. I've, I have something better and I want to introduce you to that. Yeah. And we got to engage the world with like, hey, that thing you like, it's just a little taste of more to come in Jesus, in his kingdom, in what he's doing. That beauty that you get, that little sense of joy and that creates whatever, there's something better than that. Yeah. It's a shadow of the true reflection. Christ is the substance. Everything else is a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. It's fun. We're going to have a part two to this one. Hey, fist bump. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it. That's Peace. It.